Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're looking at the whole issue of telling ourselves the truth. And last week we looked at the passage in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 6, looking at some things that God really is displeased with. In fact, as we looked at that last week, we saw that there are some things that not just that God is displeased with, we saw some things that God is disgusted with. We said, now why are we looking at that, George? Because remember, when we started out last week, we started out looking at the whole issue of how our tendency is, you and I, our tendency is to examine our lives in light of how we're doing with God by examining where others are at. And so what we'll do is, is we'll compare our lives to someone else. And usually we'll say, well, I'm doing okay because I'm not doing what they're doing. And remember, we looked at Matthew chapter 7, the first five verses where Jesus says, Judge not lest you be judged by the same measuring stick, and I have one here today, the same measuring stick that you use to measure other people's lives, you yourself will be measured by that same stick. And then he goes on and says, why do you worry about the speck in your brother's eye when in your own eye is a two-by-four hanging out of it? Deal with the two-by-four hanging out of your own eye before you worry about the speck in someone else's eye. Now, why does he say that? Why does he say, I need to deal with the stuff in my own life before I'm concerned about everyone else? Because when you deal with the stuff in your own life, when you recognize the sinful things in your life, and the stuff that you struggle with, when you begin to recognize that, you recognize your need for Jesus and His salvation, and that you don't deserve the salvation that He's given you, you then are able better to deal with other people because you recognize, I don't deserve grace. I can help you because you don't deserve grace either. I can't stand in judgment of you because I know the stuff in my own life. And so what we've done is is we've gone and look at the things that displease God. In fact, I'll read it to you. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19 says this, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to Him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord. Among the brethren. And so what we're going to do is, is we're going to take each one of those issues and examine our lives in light of them. So today we're going to look at what Proverbs calls the proud look. I call it the view from above. We're going to look at the issue of pride. We're going to see what God's Word says about pride. Now, before you sit there and you say to me, well, I don't have that problem. The very utterance of that statement says you got a problem with pride. Because pride is a universal sin. Every single one of us struggles with pride. Even if you might say, well, I have nothing to be proud of. Well, my friends, I've noticed even if you're in the ditch of life, you're proud that you're not in the bottom of the ditch. That you're not completely in the gutter. You might be halfway in the gutter, but you're proud that you're not completely out of it. There's always somebody that you can look down on. 
And so pride is a universal problem. In fact, C.S. Lewis says this. C.S. Lewis called pride spiritual cancer, which eats up love and contentment. It is actually a sign of our own insecurity and our own feelings of inferiority. Charles Haddon Spurgeon poetically warned us not to be proud of our race, of our face, or our place. Isn't that so true? Because that's what we can do today. We can be proud of where we're at. Now, let me just stop for a moment. When I talk about pride here, I'm not talking about, because in our English language, we use the same word pride to express several different things. I am not talking about that you are proud of your son or your daughter with their achievement. That's not the kind of pride I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a pride that comes out of self. A pride that looks down upon others. And believe me, there's somebody that you're looking down on in your life that you're glad you're not like them. And that's what Proverbs tells us God hates. So what I want you to see, we go to Isaiah 10 now, we see a pronouncement that God is making towards a king who is suffering from the issue of pride. It's the king of Assyria. And so this king of Assyria is going to be used by God to judge the nation Israel. But because he's being used by God, he thinks he's it. He thinks he's the one who's doing it all. And so he's lifted up into, with pride. And so God pronounces a judgment on him. So I want you to notice what he says. Look with me at verse 12, and we'll read through verse 19. Therefore it shall come to pass that when the Lord has performed all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, that he will say... I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his haughty looks. For he says, by the strength of my hand, I have done it. And by my wisdom, for I am prudent, and I have removed the boundaries of peoples and have robbed their treasuries, so I have put down the inhabitants like a valiant man. My hand has found like a nest the riches of people as one gathers eggs that are left. I have gathered all the earth and there is no one who moved his wing nor opened his heart even a peep. Shall the axe boast in itself against him who chops with it? Shall the saw exalt itself against him who saws with it? As if a rod could wield itself against those who lift it up or as if a staff could lift up as if it were not wood. Therefore the Lord, the Lord of hosts, will send leanness among his fat ones and upon his glory. He will kindle a burning like a burning of a fire. So the light of Israel will be for a fire and his holy one for a flame. It will burn and devour his thorns and his briars in one day. It will consume the glory of his forest and of his fruitful field by soul and body as they will be when a sick man wastes away. Then the rest of the trees of his forest will be so few in number that a child may write them. Here's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the issue of pride and we're going to see several things. First of all, we're going to see the manifestation of pride. How is pride manifested? And that's a very important question because you might be sitting here today and you might be saying, well, I don't struggle with this issue. What I want you to see is that pride is manifested in our lives. We're going to see two ways it's manifested. Then we're going to see the reality of pride. How is pride expressed? And then what we're going to see then 
is the marks of pride and then the reality of what is it that pride does to our lives. So let's notice a couple things here. First of all, the manifestation. We see it in verse 12. Look with me at what the Lord says to the king of Assyria. I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his haughty looks. First of all, I want you to see this is how pride is manifested. Pride is manifested in an arrogant heart. Pride is manifested in an arrogant heart. Notice he says something here. Notice he uses the phrase, the fruit of the arrogant heart. He's talking about a puffed up heart. It's, it's a person who looks at what his achievements are. He looks at the things he's done. And so in and of himself, he or she thinks they're great. They think they're wonderful because look at what I have done. Look at what I have accomplished. It's all about me. In fact, when you read a few verses later, notice what the king of Assyria is saying. He uses two words over and over. I and mine. I and mine. It's a focus on self. And so here he is. Pride is manifested in an arrogance because you're better. And it's not something that we necessarily communicate to others. You can be here today and you can be very arrogant and no one would ever know it. But in your heart, you look at others and you say, I'm better than that person. I'm better. I know I'm better. I can do better than them and that. Look at me. I'm glad I'm not going through what they're going through. It's because of their silly mistakes or their silly decisions. Boy, am I glad I'm who I am. And the focus is on self. And so pride is manifested in an arrogant heart. It is manifested in an arrogant heart where you look at yourself and you think you're great. You think you're wonderful. And you think you're it. And it's easy to fall in that trap, isn't it? It's easy to fall in that trap. It's manifested. Here's the kind of things I'm talking about. It's manifested in the idea, and you'll learn real quick, maybe you're working at the company and you're working at the business or you're working in the factory or whatever, and you come up with the idea, you know what? This place can't survive without me. If I'm not here, the place is just going to fall apart. How many of us have met people with that kind of an attitude? Have you met people with that kind of an attitude? If they weren't there, the company would just may as well fold up and close the doors because... It ain't going to happen without them. Can I be honest with you? That is what? An arrogant heart. Have you noticed that when they're gone, the company runs better? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that when they're gone, the company runs better? But they think the company runs well when they're there. Why? Because they've got an arrogant heart. They're puffed up. The first thing is, is I notice it's manifested in an arrogant heart. The next thing I want you to see there is this. It looks down on others. Notice what it says there, verse 12. And the glory of his haughty looks. That expression, haughty looks, in the Hebrew language is the same expression that is used in Proverbs when he says, the Lord hates what? A proud look. They're the same two words. It's looking down your nose at someone else. And let's be honest, every one of us does it. And let's be honest, here's what we do. Spurgeon was right when he said that we need to not give place to pride because of what? Race or place or face. And you and I, when we see people, we will judge people based on those three things. We may judge them based on their race. And you might judge them because of, well, you know, they're nothing but Italians. 
Or he's just a grumpy old guy because he's German. Or he's a tightwad because he's a Scot. You know, you've heard statements like that. And they would look down their noses at people based on their race. Or what about their place? Looking down at people based upon their place. Well, they're just a welfare bum. How many of you have heard a statement like that? Or they're just what? They're in the elite. They think they're better than everybody else. And even in that kind of a statement, you look down at them. It is a place of haughty looks. If they lived real life, they wouldn't know how to survive. And so it's an issue of place. Or what about looks? Boy, am I glad I don't look like them. Boy, they look terrible. Can't believe they dress that way today. Isn't that the kind of thoughts that go through our mind where we're judging each other? And it comes out of what? A heart of pride. It is the view from above that I'm talking about here. It is the view from above where you are looking down upon others because of where they're at. And here, it can be even expressed in this. You might look at your church and say, well, you know, I like my church. We can come the way we are. Boy, I'm glad I'm not going to their church. Look at how they have to dress up to go to church. And you're looking down at people. See, that's the manifestation of pride. Where you are lifting up yourself above everyone else. Pride problem is the whole issue of looking down on others, of being arrogant in heart. It is lifting up our eyes. It's being filled with pride. So here's the marks of it. Look with me at verse 13 through 14. These are the statements of the king of Assyria that the Lord is recording here. Notice what he says. By the strength of my hand, I want you to notice how many times he uses the word my and I. By my hand, I have done it. By my wisdom, for I am prudent. And I have removed the boundaries of people and have robbed their treasuries. So I have put down inhabitants like a valiant man. My hand has found like a nest the riches of people as one gathers egg that are left. I have gathered all the earth, and there is no one who moved his wing. No one opened his mouth with even a peep. Here's a couple of things I want you to see about the marks of pride. The first one is this. It is focused on self. At the whole issue of pride, the pride that God hates is a focus on self. Let me just stop for a moment. I mentioned earlier that we're not talking about the pride where you are proud of your son or your daughter for their accomplishments. But I want to be honest with you. Even with that kind of correct pride, there's a fine line that you could cross over into a sinful pride. You say, what do you mean, George? Where, for instance, if you've got your son, Billy Bob, and he's in Little League, and he's doing really well, and you're proud of his accomplishments, that's one thing. But if you're proud of his accomplishments because they make you look good, that's a wrong thing. You understand what I'm saying? Where your ego, yourself, is being fed by what? By them. It's one thing to say, I'm proud of them. I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad they're doing good. But it's another thing where you're feeding yourself Feeding your pride, your selfishness, with what you are accomplishing through them. The king of Assyria was totally focused on self. Notice that passage. I, my, I, my, I'm doing this. It's all for me. No one can stop me. I'm in control. 
And that's the focus there. The other thing I want you to see is a couple of things about the marks of pride is it boasts in its strength and its wisdom. Notice what he says there, verse 13. Notice what he's saying there. He says this, By my strength of the hand I have done it. By my wisdom, for I am prudent. See, pride manifests itself by an unnatural focus on your abilities and resources. You look at things and you say, well, you know what? I've got the power. I've got the the position. I've got this to be able to do that. Look at how great I am. I've got the wisdom. I've got the intellect. If it wasn't for my brain power, we would be in the midst of problems here. I'm great. That's pride. That's pride. Let me just stop for a moment. In the midst of it is a forgetfulness of God. Say, what are you talking about, George? You know, I've had the privilege now to travel to different countries, a lot of them third world countries. And it's really humbling when you go to a third world country and you see what they don't have. The reality is, listen to me, when you look at what you have here, how much control did you have over where you were born? How much control did you have? Think about that. How much control did you have over what family you were born into? Did you come out of the womb and say, excuse me, I don't want this group, I want that group? How many of you did that? How many of you had control over the nation in which you were born in? None of us. And when you think about it, how many of you had control over the life that God has set before you? None. But we look at ourselves, we look at our abilities, we look at our wisdom, and we think we're it. We think we're in control. We think we're the ones who have got it together. And so that's what pride does. Pride boasts in its strength and its wisdom. Another thing pride boasts in, and listen to me, it boasts in its achievements. It boasts in its achievements. Look at what I have done. And you could say, well, you know, I did this, and and I did that, and look at me, I was a star of this in high school. And and they live there because they're focused on what? Pride and their achievements. See, that almost goes against the grain of our country, isn't it? Because we live in a country today that is focused on what you do, and what you strive to do, and what you accomplish. And we measure each other by what? Our accomplishment. That's the marks of pride. So then, there's a reality to pride. Pride consumes our lives. Pride drives us. But there's a reality that we don't recognize, and the passage brings it out for us here. So I want you to notice with me, verses 15 through 19, several things I want you to see. First of all, notice with me what he says in verse 15. Shall an axe boast itself against him who chops with it? Or shall a saw exalt itself against him who saws with it, as if a rod could wield itself against those who lift it up, or as if a staff could lift up as if it were not wood. Here's what he's saying. The reality of pride is this. We are mere instruments in God's hands. God is saying to the king of Assyria, listen, why are you so boastful? You're just a tool in my hand. You know what? Every once in a while I have somebody, I, Corey does something occasionally for me for with my car or whatever. And, you know, when he's done with the project, here's what I do. I say, you know, Corey, those are some great snap-on tools you got there, buddy. If it wasn't for those snap-on tools, my engine wouldn't be doing okay here today. 
You know how ridiculous that is? It's not the tools, is it? It's the one who turned the wrench. It's the one who fixed the vehicle. So I say, Corey, great job. How much do I owe you? That's the issue. That's what God is saying. Look, why do we boast in ourselves and our accomplishments, especially our accomplishments for the kingdom, when really the reality is what? We are just merely instruments in the hand of God. Why do you boast in how great a parent you are when really, can I be honest with you, it was God who entrusted you with the children in the first place and it was God who gave you the wisdom, God who gave you the strength, God who gave you the grace, and believe me, you need grace, don't you, to be the parent that you are. You're just a tool in His hand. See, we've got to get away from focusing on how great we are to recognizing how great God is. See, that's the reality of pride. The reality of pride is, is that we're just simply what? An instrument in His hands. The other thing I want you to see here is this. Pride leaves us spiritually empty. Pride leaves us spiritually empty. Notice what He says here. Therefore, verse 16, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, will send leanness among His fat ones. What is He saying here? He's going to send emptiness among them. Here they are. They think they're great. They think they're it. They're the superpower of the world. They think they're in control. And Assyria was the superpower of the world at that time. And they think that's it. Nobody can stand against him. But here's what he's going to say. I'm going to send emptiness among their souls. They're going to be spiritually bankrupt. Have you noticed that when you're focused on self, that is at the height of spiritual emptiness for your life? You don't feel fulfillment. You don't feel contentment. In fact, when you have somebody who's so consumed with pride... They have no contentment at all, do they? In fact, that's why they're trying to achieve the next thing, achieve the next goal, win the next medal, in hopes that that somehow is going to bring contentment to their life. But guess what? It isn't. You think about the guy who's climbing the company ladder. He's doing everything he can to get the next promotion, the next promotion, the next promotion. And then somehow when he hits age 50 he all of a sudden realizes that he's been focused on the wrong thing because he gets in the mail what a pink slip that says, we no longer need you. Why? Because there's some other young guy behind him that's coming and climbing the ladder who's focused on pride. And he, all he's left with is spiritual emptiness. My friends, you might be here today and you are spiritually empty because your focus has been on the wrong thing. Your focus has been on you. And what you can achieve and what you can acquire, and how big your house is. Can I be honest with you? If you got the house you wanted, you still would not be happy with it. If you got the trip you're dreaming of, you still wouldn't be happy with it. I've seen it. Pride leaves us spiritually empty. See, you're empty here today because you are focusing on the wrong things. Listen, can I be honest with you? If you're spiritually empty and you're not content, the issue is pride. It's the chief of sins. If you're focused on what you don't have, and if I only had this, I would be a lot better. Notice the words. If I only had this, I would be a lot better. It leaves you spiritually empty. The other thing I want you to see is this. The other reality is this. All that we have achieved will be devoured. The rest of that passage there, God says to the king of Assyria, 
I'm going to do a work among you and what you have achieved is going to disappear. It's going to be such... And he describes his mighty men, his armies, his vast armies as being a forest. He said so few of them will be left that a child can write down how many trees are left in the forest. Think about how we spend all our time and our energy on the stuff that we're trying to achieve and then guess what? It's gone. That's the reality of pride. The things that we take pride in, can I be honest with you? So you did wonderful. You got records galore. You achieved this in the company. Someone else will come and do better. Somebody always comes and does better. Isn't that true? See, life will devour your achievements. That's the reality of pride. You say, George, what can we do with this? A couple of things I want you to think of. First of all, we need to recognize the issue of pride, and that's ask yourself this question. Do you look down on others? Be real. Say, I don't know that I struggle with that one, George. No, 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 wait a minute. You need to be real. I want you to think about your week. Think about your last trip to Walmart. And maybe you saw the guy that went in there and his head is completely shaved and he's got a tattoo that goes up halfway up the back of his head. What did you think about that guy? Now answer that question. Do you look down on others? Do you look down on others? That's a very real thing. And you know, the honest answer for all of us here, every single one of us here, is what? Yes. Do you look down on others? The other thing I want you to see is, is when you recognize the answer is yes, here's what you need to do. Recognize the pride in your life. It's there. Hey, you know what? It can be easily manifested. How do you mean, George? Well, let's say you lose your job and you come to me and you say, well, George, I need to get some work. I've got to put food on the table. What do I need to do? And the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, have you thought about McDonald's? What's your initial reaction? Don't tell me. What, are you kidding? That's for the young kids. I, I'm old. Or I've got a degree. Or think about what I've done before. Me flopping Whoppers at Burger King? Forget it. What would people think if they saw me there? Isn't that what we think? Recognize the pride in your life. Recognize it. Recognize it. And then finally, and here's the key one. You need to listen to what I'm going to tell you. Humble yourself or be humbled. Humble yourself or be humbled. What do you mean be humbled, George? Well, listen, look at what's happening here. The king of Assyria, he was lifted up in pride. Rather than recognizing that he was a tool in God's hand to punish God's people, he thought he was the greatest. So what did God say he was going to do? He was going to humble them. Listen, every one of us needs to recognize that there are issues of pride in our life. And if we don't choose to humble ourselves before God, I'm going to guarantee you this, because he's done it in my life, he will humble you. He'll humble you. Listen, if you're a child of God, I want you to listen to me. He hates the pride in our life. He is disgusted with the pride in our life. He is disgusted with us looking down our noses at other people. And if you don't choose to humble yourself, if you're His child, believe me, He will be exalted in your life. So guess what? He will humble you. He will humble you. I think I better humble myself first, right? Because you don't know how He'll choose to humble you. You say, what do you mean? It might be a pink slip. And then the only job you can find is working at a McDonald's. Or dare I say, 
you can't find a job, so you might have to go to the assistant's office and get help, and you've been taught all your life never to do that. Isn't that humbling? Do you see my point? Humble yourself or be humble. God hates the pride in our life. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.